You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My name is Michael Delgado, and my guest tonight is a yeoman in the L.A. art scene, a fantastic painter laboring in his passion for color creating transcendent spaces with only a stretch of canvas and masterfully applied paints with technical finishes. Represented by Nancy Toomey Fine Art in San Francisco and by the William Turner Gallery in Los Angeles, Brindle's work has become increasingly sought after. I recently caught up with the artist in his new studio digs in Culver City, where he was hunkered down, sequestered from the pandemic but oddly grateful for a shutdown, which has given him space away from the incessant phone calls and studio visits. Brindle's paintings, in a word, are, well, simply gorgeous. William Turner describes them as atmospheric gradations of color encased in hardened surfaces. There's a constant tension between depth, light, and texture. Standing before one of his paintings, you're immersed into a chromatic field, although suggestive of a landscape, cannot be so defined. I'm no art historian, but as a bookseller and occasional writer, people like me tend to categorize art into periods and precedents and, you know, influenced by so-and-so and what are the references to other artists. I told Brindle that if he were a cocktail, I'd say his recipe is equal parts light space and finish fetish one part Rothko, with a garnish of Zen. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. The uh, Rothko, uh, like, the color field, I'm assuming. Yeah, and, and maybe even in the, even in the uh, composition on some of the pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I want people to, uh, you know, pray in front of his paintings. I don't know if I could ask that of anybody to do <laughs> <laughs> right. Did he really want that, or did that just happen in the chapel? You know, I don't know. That's a good, really good question. Um, I have heard, and I could be wrong, uh, that that's what he wanted. Uh, huh. But, again, I'm not an art historian either, so. I think the art historian consensus on Rothko is that he hoped viewers would fall into a deep meditative state similar to that which he experienced while creating the work, but not necessarily pray per se. Although I guess you could make an argument that he would have appreciated something involving worship at the altar of art gods such as himself. But that's a whole other podcast. On his website, Brindle divides his work into distinct series. There's a scientific-sounding and horizontally-inclined, dislocated stratum paintings, and then there are the primarily vertically-oriented portal and aura paintings. I wondered if it was correct to suggest that his work had progressed in an orderly exploration of particular aspects of his practice. Uh, I would say that uh, they definitely do... Um 
as far as a timeline goes. Uh, sometimes I'm kind of revisiting uh, with the aura paintings and um, the uh, portal paintings, I started using gold leaf and silver leaf and different leafs uh, on them uh, with a, a symbol in the middle of the rectangle. Mm-hmm. And those, those have kind of carried through up, up until just now as well, where uh, I don't think anybody's seen these paintings yet, uh, although I did post them on Instagram, one on Instagram, is kind of a hybrid of hmm. my stratums and uh, and the, uh, the portals and the aura paintings. The aura paintings were very uh, uh, minimalistic and reductive, and then um, uh, the portal paintings started getting a little more color in. I mean, I really enjoy color. I'm not scared of it, um, and I like using it. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of morphed. You know, the, the body of work keeps progressing uh, or regressing, <laughs> whatever <laughs> way you look at Yeah, I was wondering, like, when you get to a point of your particular thing, like say you're in the stratum paintings and you just, is there like a, a I don't know that there's a switch that clips, but... You just go like, okay, enough of that. Even if you look at them as a, in a, a macro level, they've kind of evolved as well. Um, at the beginning of the stratum paintings, I used to do very loose lines, like definitely more Rothkoe or uh, uh, just color field um, paintings. Mm-hmm. And then they started getting... Uh, a lot tighter uh, with more of a, a horizon or stratum, whichever word you want to use, um, line on them. And then they got to a place where they almost seemed too perfect to me. So mm. I kind of stopped doing them a little bit, and I've kind of worked on this, this new series that I'm doing. Uh, just because it just, you know, I was I was starting to just, just just do them in a, a way that I knew what was going to happen instead of exploring ideas. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of put those on hold for a little bit now and uh, and started working on these new ones, which are definitely looser and um, going into the finish fetish kind of uh, aspect. There, you, my, my stratum paintings have this high gloss on them. Yeah. which uh, also are, like, as, as perfect as possible. And these, the new ones I'm doing now um, are on linen. So it mm. gives me it gives me a lot of uh, room to play with textures and things, which the other paintings were so, so pristine and perfect that these loosen up and you can see the knots and the linen, and, and they're just they're a little looser. As a native Angelino growing up as a little surf rat, I have a particular affinity to Brindle's work. It transports me back to the countless hours spent sitting in the lineup, taking in that moment between sets to marvel at the yawning horizon, feeling inconsequential while also feeling very much a part of the energy of the ocean swell as it buffets you about. And then just for a second, maybe two, you can really be calm and at peace. That moment, of course, gets shattered in the scramble to snake someone out of the next wave. 
But seriously, Brindle's work is quintessentially Californian in that way. I was surprised to learn that he's something of a transplant. Both uh, my parents were in British and immigrated, uh, and we immigrated here, um, I think when I was like four or five. Wow. But I've been here for, I'm not going to tell you my age, but <laughs> for quite <laughs> quite some time. Um, what happened uh, is back in the uh, early 70s, uh, late 60s, uh, most British um, immigrants would go to Canada and then move to Los Angeles because it was easier to get into uh, the United States that way. And I was born actually in Toronto, Canada. Ah. Uh, and then went back to England for a little bit and then uh, eventually moved and set, set roots in um, Los Angeles. I, I get it. But I, I would say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Californian, L.A. boy. For sure. Yeah, well, there's very few of us that are actually born here. But, yeah. you know, the, the work is definitely Californian in that it's got all the uh, – the the metal flake and the you know the car culture and the high gloss and the resins and I love it. Right. Yeah, I think the the work. Um, anybody who has surfed or uh, uh, is a surfer um, will tell you that um, when you go in the water. There is something spiritual, Zen, whatever you want to call it, that happens where um, everything usually stays on the beach. So any problems and things you have, once you enter the water, whether it's the uh, the physical presence or the energy of the ocean or, or getting back to uh, our roots, really, or our, uh, you know where we came from, uh, there is a quality of uh, time standing still, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, when I make these paintings, I have a very similar experience with them. Uh, I don't have a preconceived uh, idea in my head of what colors I'm going to use, what's going to happen. I just, you know, take the paints and I begin. And, and it, 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 you know, uh, it'll be 8 in the morning, I'll be at the studio, and just these constant passes of colors and and hopefully right decisions along the way, which are kind of subconscious because um, all of a sudden it'll be five o'clock and mm -hmm. time is time has kind of stood still in the same way that when you experience surfing, uh, everything kind of just it, it just goes away. It's I I um, the the easiest way I can uh, explain it is, you know, when you're uh, a passenger or even driving a car and you just go to another place and then all of a sudden you're at your destination, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's kind of the feeling. It's, it's just, you just, you're in a, uh, a I guess a, some sort of a meditative state that, uh, that your brain has has shut down and you are just in the present without being present, if that makes sense. Given his Zen-like description, I wondered if Brindle was spiritual or even a practicing Buddhist. 
I would say if I had to choose, that would be something along the lines that I would choose. Um, but I'm not uh, practicing uh, Buddhist, and uh, um, as I say, my meditative uh, um, time comes from either painting or uh, if I can get into the water and uh, surf. Yeah. Thinking about the work, it seemed to me that the ground that Brindle is working has been well excavated by light and space and finished fetish predecessors like Robert Irwin or Eric Orr, for whom he once worked. But while his work is very much part of that conversation, his pieces stand solidly on their own. I think this is because he has truly mastered the craft. So, while Irwin may have moved on, taking his work to its reductivist conclusion, such that he would define a plot of grass with just a string, to proclaim the way that light from a nearby tree dapples that particular area, is in fact a work of art, as he did for the Venice Biennale. Brindle, in contrast, continues to explore the canvas and object as its own meditative property. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a, a multi-generational, if you will, um, light and space, Southern California movement uh, from those people that you mentioned uh, to others, to me. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely Californian. Um, and, and you can really tell... Uh, the difference of the works uh, compared to other other destinations or um, places around the world. Uh, L.A. I think has a particular light that uh, I think has a lot to do with this, and um, and uh, and 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 if you can work within that light, and uh, and 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 really, I think most of those people are all fascinated with light and how light works. Mm-hmm. Especially like somebody like Larry Bell. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a big, it's a big part of it. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, uh, um, what it comes down to is being in the, uh, in the atmosphere of this light. There really is something to the light in Southern California that you can't find anywhere else in the world. I've never been able to figure out why that is, but now with no cars and no airplanes due to lockdown, the sky is an incredible blue, and the light play on the buildings downtown that I can see from my rooftop leaves me speechless. Brindle also acknowledged that other quintessential California ingredient, spray paint. I asked him about his inspirations and his own techniques. And also the, um, the colors, which um, the LA, some of the L.A. artists use, is, is definitely uh, related to um, lowriders, hot rods, surfboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much a cultural thing uh, in, in Southern California. Um, so, uh, you know, with the, with the different materials they use, 
um, with the flake paints and pearls. And right now, I'm uh, using the airbrush. Um, I have um, obviously painted uh, with a brush, but I'd say primarily for the last, I'd say about eight years, that that's my tool that I use. It comes from the car culture, surfboard culture. Um, and uh, I think I've started to get it dialed in, although it's uh, not so easy at, at first. I asked Brindle about what's up next for him, hoping he could promote his upcoming shows, which might include some three-dimensional pieces I know he's been working on. But, of course, like everyone, his world is on hold. He did, however, have an observation. And, and another thing um, that I think is interesting about uh, the coronavirus is... Um, I'm used to having deadlines for shows and things like that. Uh-huh. And when when this hit, everything kind of stopped. Right. Everybody was on pause. So, you know, I've spoken to a number of artists, and it's given artists a lot of time to free up and just work on things that they might find interesting or kind of uh, go a different direction. Um, and, and so that's kind of what I've been doing. We can only hope the nation takes his example to spend our lives interrupted in the same spirit of self-reflection and discovery. Yep. Enjoy talking to you. All right, bud. Thank you for this. All right. Have a good day. You You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents. My guest tonight has been the artist Casper Brindle. You can see Casper's paintings and learn more about him at nancytoomeyfineart.com. That's nancytoomey, T-O-O-M-E-Y, fineart.com. And at williamturnergallery.com, casperbrindle.com. That's Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R. B-R-I-N-D-L-E dot com. And you can follow him on Instagram at Casper Brindle. A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, the music and artist management company Regime 72, and of course, A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Please check out all our podcasts and our unique selection of books, at aggeiger.com. Thanks for listening.